Today we'll look back over this season, pick out some of our fantasy MVPs, and figure out where those players might go in drafts next year. We'll also cover some hot arms and bats you should roster for the last few games, as well as streamers to target for the rest of the week so you can hopefully win your leagues. That and more today on Fastball Fantasy Baseball. I'm Taylor Tarter, and this is Fastball Fantasy Baseball. Let's get into it. Always remember, if you ain't first, you're last. So how are you doing in your league, Matt, this, uh, this final week of the fantasy playoffs? Well, Taylor, I've had quite quite the experience since our last podcast. Um, if anybody's listening, they understand and know that sometimes you have leagues that, you know, we all have get to these points where sometimes our leagues are a little strange and we have these rules that maybe we create over time that seemingly make sense. Um, and then inevitably uh, in my situation, in my case, come back to bite you in the butt. <laughs> so Taylor, uh, as you know, you had a championship showdown scheduled uh, against one another um, and three days into it, it was made clear to me by another member of our league that I had actually violated one of our seemingly strange rules that made sense when we made them. Um, I'm not uh, the only one over the course of the season that has violated this rule and everyone that has violated that rule has been punished accordingly. And I actually, so I did. I was one of those people very early on. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think you were kind of actually giving it a pass, given you're brand new to this league, right? Or I, I forget kind of how that played out. But me, as somebody who's been in this league for uh, onwards of 10 years at this point, um, committed this violation, uh, and there was only one course of action to take, and that was to um, remove myself from the championship matchup against you, Taylor. Uh, it pains me, and I've lost many, many hours of sleep over this. <laughs> Uh, and the gentleman who um, I managed to beat by violating this rule in the semifinals is now uh, taking my place in the finals, which uh, I will allow you to describe how that is going for you, Taylor. <laughs> so far, so good. Fingers crossed, knocking on every piece of wood I can knock on. Uh, so in both of my leagues, I made the finals uh, in the in both leagues, the 12 team points league and the 18 head to head, it's, it's they're both really close matchups. Uh, the biggest thing for me, though, has been a total shift in strategy in the postseason than in like preseason and and especially early on in, in the regular season of the MLB. You know, we're looking at metrics and we're looking at hard contact and if a guy's got like weak contact you know I'm just going to totally pass on him uh we're looking at home run to fly ball rate barrel rate uh strikeout percentage for pitchers BABIP all this stuff and honestly I don't look at any of that anymore I don't care about any of that data anymore uh what I've been doing to manage my teams is looking at the last seven days what guys are hot over the last seven days what guys are cold over the last seven days if you're productive you're staying on my team if you're not productive and you're not a keeper 
you gone. And I'm looking for guys who have had, uh, you know, a couple of, of productive games over the last week, looking for hot bats, hot arms, and essentially like, you know, if, if you are, if you are not a keeper, you are at risk of being cut. And I'm also making sure to totally max out on my pitching starts. So this is where like finding streamers becomes really, really important too. And I think I've done a good job of that so far. Hopefully the, the guys who I am planning to pick up over the next couple of days, hold it together. But I, th- I think in my 18, 18 league, I'm going to lose. Um, the other guy, just his pitching is overwhelming me right now. And uh, he had one like really, really insane day and just kind of like blew me out of the water on RBI. And, and uh, but a lot of other stuff is close. I just don't think category wise, I'm going to be able to pass him in the 12 team league. I think I have a legit shot at winning that. Uh, so fingers crossed, knocks on wood, all that good stuff. We're all rooting for you, Taylor. <laughs> I'm, I'm rooting for me too. <laughs> Let's take a quick look at the best players of the last seven days. So one of the best players last week, who's I'm sure on a lot of people's radars for this last, uh, these last couple of days here is St. Louis outfielder, Harrison Bader. So over the last week, he went 15 for 29. That's a 517 batting average, 10 runs, three home runs, six RBI, and two stolen bases. And this is exactly the type of player I'm looking to add at this moment, right? I don't care about his streakiness. I don't care what he did two months ago. I don't care if he started the season slow. I don't care about the metrics. All I care about is, are you hot? And this guy is hot. So he's a career 240 hitter. He has always struggled with strikeouts. Uh, He's historically been very streaky, but this season he's batting a legit 270. Um, Some changes he made, he got his strikeout rate down from 32% last year to 21% this year. He's still chasing a ton of pitches. In fact, his chase rate is higher than it's ever been before, but he's making more contact. Um, So even though he's like swinging at bad pitches, uh, he's making contact with, with more of them than usual. Uh, it's to me, it looks like one of those situations where like volume is kind of producing the results. Maybe it's not something, uh, maybe it's not something like, you know, skill wise he's doing. It's just simply the more you swing at pitches, the more chances you're giving yourself to hit the ball. And, uh, you know, it seems like that approach has been working for him. He's more aggressive at the plate uh, and it's working out that he's got a 310 BABIP. His career BABIP is 0.002%, uh, 0.002 points lower than that, higher than that. So it's very, very close to his like career average. So that 270 to me looks legit. And if this is like a, this looks like something potentially tangible. Um, you know, changes that he's made. If he sticks with the approach, I think this is a fourth or fifth outfielder for fantasy teams next year. 
Yeah, and if, if this really does become a new approach for him and he swings at more pitches and he's keeping the contact rate up, it works for players like Harrison Bader when you've got the speed that he has. I mean, that's the whole thing. Putting the ball in play for Harrison Bader, he's so fast, he's probably going to beat out more balls than most. So it, it's it's such a huge adjustment that he has made here that makes him a, a, a viable candidate to have in your outfield if, if this change is real in the future. Spring training is really going to tell us that. And uh, yeah, he, if it's going to tell us if, if this is like a legit change or not. And one thing to, to note is that his def- he's known for his defense and his defense is going to keep him in that lineup. It's going to keep, exactly. it's going to keep him on the line in the lineup. So he's going to get opportunity. It's just a matter of, you know, does this carry over in the next season? Uh, another player who had a really good week last week was Philly starter Ranger Suarez. He was one of three pitchers with two quality starts last week. The others were Marco Gonzalez and Framber Valdez. So really, honestly, you could have picked any of them for this. But to me, Ranger Suarez is the most interesting pitcher of the bunch. He had a loss versus Baltimore and a win versus Pittsburgh. So he played against kind of two, two uh, not so great teams. Although Baltimore's offense is better than people may realize. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, 15 innings pitched over those two games. He gave up 11 hits, two earned runs, one walk, and 12 strikeouts uh, for a 120 ERA and a .8 whip. Uh, For the season, he has a 145 ERA and a one whip. He has uh, 8.9 strikeouts per nine. Uh, and he did spend most of the season as a reliever, but the Phillies uh, rotation uh, was not great to start the season, and uh, they needed him for, for a little help. So he started the uh, 11 games this season so far. He probably has one more, I think, to go. Um, and he's been looking really good as a starter. Uh, there are some signs that point to unsustainability, 245 BABIP, 6% home run to fly ball rate. Those both are lower than, than normal uh, for most pitchers. And those things make most of the advanced ERA metrics think he's closer to a mid two, mid three pitcher, which is still pretty good. Um, yeah. You know, all things considered, uh, he throws a four pitch mix. He's got a sinker, a change up, a four seam, and a slider, and all of them have been basically unhittable this year. Uh, All of them have a 209 batting average against or less, and none of them have higher than a 218 expected batting average against. So all his pitches are legit. Um, His sinker is one of his best uh, best pitches, and he uses his changeup as his put-away pitch. It has a 40% whiff rate uh, and a 23% put-away rate, Um, and... So to me, he's interesting because I'm curious to see if they use him as a starter for next season. And I know you're a Philly fan. Maybe you've been hearing some things. Um, but if, if, they, if they commit to him as a starter next season, I think you have to view him as potentially like a top 50 starter, like draft-wise, because of the season. The strikeout rate looks great. The pitches look great. Um, but that's one of those things where we need to see that commitment from the Phillies. We need, we need to, uh, you know, 
if they're going to like flip flop him or use him as a hybrid pitcher, right. We can't rank him that high. Uh, yeah. I, Ranger is just one of those like pleasant surprises that you never see coming. Um, and in it, on a team like the Phillies that have had countless uh, holes to plug in the hull of the ship as the, as the season has gone along, he's been the, the guy that just has filled every single biggest hole that 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 this hole has had like it, it this team was sinking and ranger popped up out of nowhere became initially the long the, the, the fireman the long reliever then became the closer and then asked him to stretch it all the way out to the point where he just threw a complete game against the pirates like the the path that he's taken this season is unforeseen and completely surprising um but what is unmentioned here so far is Ranger Suarez throws so many ground balls um, that that's really the, the key to his success. I mean, yes, his pitches, you know, you, you read the, the, the expected averages against them. The, the key here is that everybody's beating these balls into the ground. And I think a really important thing for Ranger Suarez fans next year going into fantasy is you got to look at the Phillies defense and, you know, what the status of that is because Rangers throws so many ground balls that if he's got yeah. a really bad defense behind him, well, then you're probably going to nick him down, even if he's going to be this, like a, a, a bona fide, like, for sure starter in this rotation. If they don't have the defense, which uh, I believe Segura's contract's up, Alec Baum's going to be playing third and he stinks, like – uh, and Reese Hoskins has been okay at first. So there's a lot to be determined for, for Rangers Suarez next year. But definitely keep in mind, uh, it's all about the ground balls for Ranger. Yeah, we're going to have a, a lot a lot to look into for next season. Mm -hmm. Let's get into some recent injuries and recoveries. Ouch, baby. Very ouch. So we're keeping this short and sweet today we're focusing on the the players that matter for these last few weeks um and so or these last few days rather and so uh the first thing is it's so awesome to see chris bassett back pitching so cool i can't believe it it's yeah. i thought he was done for for a while uh after taking that comebacker to the face uh but he pitched a game last week and I think by this time he might have pitched another one by the time this episode publishes he might have had another uh outing though he, I don't think he's throwing uh more than a couple innings um another injury recently uh Baltimore outfielder Anthony Santander has been out with a hamstring injury uh that Baltimore outfield next year is going to be legit uh, and they, they have a ton of people too. You, uh, you know, they're, they're going to have to figure out a place for Hayes, Mullins, Mountcastle, Mancini, Santander, mm -hmm. right? That's five guys that they're going to have to get into the lineup somewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm the Orioles will score next year. Uh, that offense is going to rock the pitching. We'll, we'll see how that goes. It's kind of the same story, right? It's just been that way in Baltimore for so long. They can't develop pitchers. Uh, maybe one of them will break through. Um, mm. Cleveland starting pitcher Shane Bieber started last Friday. He may get one more start. Uh, but, again, 
he's a guy I don't expect to go very deep into a game. Um, Dodgers outfielder Cody Bellinger was put on the IL last week with a fractured rib. He took batting practice before a game on Friday or Saturday over the week, over last weekend. Uh, unsure if he's going to play anymore this week. What are we doing with Cody Bellinger next year? Man, who knows? What a, what a freak show. <laughs> I have no, I have no idea where to rank him. I, I, I'm the kind of man owner that would take a flyer on him for sure. Like, you know, if it's in a redraft league, he's going to fall pretty far would be my, my guess, uh, like out of the first five rounds potentially. And, and if that's the case, I'll, I'll take him in the sixth round or, yeah, it'll take time to evaluate exactly what's happening. But I mean, give me, give me the guy with that high ceiling and MVP caliber bet. I mean, let, let's not forget he was, he has this sort of track record where he looks great, looks great for one year and the next year he just, nosedives and then he wins an MVP and now obviously now he's nose nose diving like maybe this is just the kind of guy you get he's like the hitter version of the Giants winning every other year uh, in the World Series you know maybe he's an even year guy <laughs> maybe maybe yeah it's, uh, that's gonna be a tough one I, I want to rank him well he's he has skills that yeah and and the pedigree and he's done it before and all those things like look good and make me want to rank him, you know, like a top 40 player, but just don't know if, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can. Another, I'll tell you another player that I'm going to have trouble ranking next year is St. Louis starter Jack Flaherty, who's been out for a ton of this season with a shoulder issue. Um, don't expect him to pitch valuable innings for you this week. Um, are you concerned at all about him for next year? Personally, for me, I this is the kind of player and this kind of injury with shoulders. I mean, the only the only player I've ever really gone after with shoulder issues was Kershaw, and and after that's you make an exception for some guys, right? But when it comes to shoulders and Jack Flaherty here, he's pretty much on my do not draft list personally for the price you're going to have to pay for the guy uh and the the risk first reward just doesn't really match up for me depending on how far far he falls in a draft that's kind of my thought too he struggled in 2020 with command issues and that potentially might have been like shoulder stuff that might have messed up his shoulder you know um mm -hmm. like the 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 throwing motion the way the ball's coming out you know um, and then he seemed to kind of like that put him on my do not draft list for this season. And then, you know, the, the shoulder issues this year, it kind of makes me want to stay, definitely stay away from him mm -hmm. next year, but that's something I'll revisit, you know, in my, in my research, uh, in the off season. And then finally Tampa Bay shortstop Wander Franco, he's been out with a hamstring injury, um, he had a rehab start. I don't know if he – is he in the lineup this week? He is very much in the lineup and has reached base in both of the games that he's appeared in so far that I know of. I think he's up to a 41-game uh, uh, on-base streak. So in, in weekly leagues, he should be in your lineup uh, and, you know, legit top 75 guy for next year, I think. 
Wander Franco. What a guy. That's it for injuries. Before we take a quick break, let's look at some streamers for the week ahead. Am I streaming? Am I streaming? So you have just a few days to finish strong in your fantasy leagues. Here are some streaming pitchers that we're relying on to help us this week. You know, we're, we're digging deep here uh, to bring you some good matchups. So uh, pay attention here. So shallow leagues, these guys are uh, maybe a little more rostered. You know, you might not be able to find them in 10 or 12 team leagues. Uh, but Cleveland's starting pitcher, Eli Morgan, is playing against Texas on Friday the 1st, October 1st. And then Tristan McKenzie has them, has Texas on Saturday, October 2nd. Uh, so you know, we're going to see we're picking on a handful of teams again here. Uh, Texas being one of them. And then Toronto starting pitcher, Steven Matz has Baltimore on Saturday, the second as well. Deeper leagues looking at uh, Oscar, you know, uh, he's available in 60% of ESPN leagues and recall how great he was to start the year before he got injured. Um, he's had uh, coming up on Friday. He's got a matchup against the Mets. Uh Think about Alex Cobb if he's available in your league again against Texas on Thursday. Uh, Michael Pineda's got Detroit today. Um, and Joe Ryan has Detroit on Thursday. Tyler McGill has Miami on Thursday. And Jake Woodford against the Cubs on Saturday. Uh, also keep in mind, as we get closer to the end of the season here, uh, some teams are going to be moving um, pitchers around to – properly match up for the playoff uh, matchups that they have next week. So you could suddenly see some guys popping in and taking starts away from, you know, normal, typical anchors of staffs. So uh, always be looking, always be uh, watching to see if, if some guys are just going to pop up on some teams. Yeah. And, and the other part of this is if you have those like stud pitchers, uh, there's a good chance that, they may be pulled from games earlier than usual. Um, this might be a really good time to roster those like middle relief guys that are picking up two, three innings a game, a Yarbrough, you know, some, you know, somebody like that. Uh, mm -hmm. espe especially if you're running up on your starts limit or running up on your acquisitions limit, um, finding some of those guys that are picking up a couple innings in middle relief. Um, but, you know, pick on Miami, pick on Minnesota, Texas, Detroit, uh, and good luck. Pittsburgh. And with that, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to do a, uh, a look at some of our fantasy baseball MVPs and uh, look ahead into next season. So since we're in, at the end of the season, what we wanted to do is take a look back at a few fantasy baseball MVPs uh, and kind of see what basically they did for themselves heading into next season. Uh, one of my favorite players from this year, and I'm an idiot for passing up on him, is Baltimore outfielder Cedric Mullins. In ESPN, his average draft position was 172. Uh, he had an insane season, right? 
basically out of nowhere. Yeah. Never hit more than 15 home runs in any minor league season. And he ended this year going 30, 30. Uh, his batting average is also sitting around 300. This is like a, uh, a Ronald Acuna light year. You know, mm -hmm. uh, the question is, do we expect this going into next season? Um, and for me, I'm looking at, you know, what is, what has he done this year that he differently than in previous stints in the majors? Cause he's been up a couple of times now. So some things he changed, he increased his barrel rate from 3% to eight and a half percent. He increased his hard rate, hard hit rate from 31% to 39%. Uh, he hit more fly balls this year than ever before with an improved launch angle. And so that inherently is going to give you more chances at home runs, more fly balls shot at a home run. Uh, and so if you combine that with hitting the ball harder, right, the better launch angle, more fly balls, more hard hit balls, more home runs, right? Uh, I'm not sure if he goes 30-30 next year, uh, maybe 2020, you know, maybe it's closer to 20 home runs, 20 steals, but uh, the batting average is legit, good plate discipline. Uh, he gets on base. That's going to help him get steals. Uh, and he plays in Baltimore. And he's going to hit in Baltimore and New York and Fenway, right? So great. It's, it's a great situation for him. I mean, yeah, maybe he goes 2020, but honestly, like, you want to get a little ridiculous about it? You, if this goes 40-40 next year, like, could you imagine, like, an Alfonso Soriano season coming out of Cedric Mullins? And, like, at this point, why not? Like, you know, now he's got another year under his belt. Uh, he's got pretty good discipline. He's increased his rates. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying definitely 40-40, but it wouldn't surprise me if he goes 30-30 again, and why not maybe 40-40? It's, su it's such a great story, and, um, yeah, I, I'd have him in my top 50 easily. Uh, it's just one of those guys in the beginning of the year where you kept, kept looking at him at the waiver wire being like, nah, he can't keep that up. You know, sort of like uh, I, I had him as the same as Akil Badu. I was like, both these guys, like, they're not going to keep this up, and – you know, one guy did and one guy did. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, with, with this sort of thing, you're looking at like historical data too, especially early on in the season when you don't have, when you have such a small sample size for this year, you're looking at and going, you, you're comparing it, what he's doing this year to what he's done before. And you're going, well, this isn't legit, like mm -hmm. way over he's, he's, you know, out hitting his metrics, we say. Yeah. But maybe this year, with those adjustments, this is what, you know, maybe he wasn't out hitting his metrics. These are his metrics. Yeah, maybe. This is, this is his normal. So we'll, we'll really see next year. Uh, I think he's going to have one of the biggest jumps in ADP out of any player this year. He's, he's going to go top 50 overall, I think, in just about any league. Yeah, I, I mean – if he's around at the back end of the second round, this is the kind of guy I would be happy to take, to be completely honest. I think it's a little too high for me, but I'm going to, I understand it being too high for people, but I, I think I'm going to have a hard time keeping him, keeping him out of like 
at least top 40. Yeah. Um, another player that has a, a way exceeded expectations this year is Toronto middle infielder Marcus Semyon. And he was drafted uh, 77th in ESPN, uh, in ESPN leagues. This guy's going to be a top 20 draft pick next season, top 20, top 30 for sure. Uh, you know, early on, we noticed, we talked about him, you know, months ago in, in the podcast. We noticed parallels between this year and his uh, career year in 2019. Now his career year is 2021. <laughs> uh, this year he hit, he's hit, he's at 40 plus home runs, 110 plus runs, and he's going to be over 100 RBI uh, by the end of the season. And that is the first time in his career he's done uh, most of those. Uh, he's also doing all of this while stealing 15 bases uh, and He's batting around 270, uh, which isn't his career best, but it's up there with uh, his best uh, years. And like Mullins, Semyon made clear improvements to a few important things that kind of like back up this improvement. 9.8% uh, barrel rate, 41% hard hit rate. Those are both career best in those areas. He adjusted his launch angle, cranked up the fly balls, Right, you see an increase in home run to fly ball rate, but uh, and to be fair, his his increase in home run to fly ball rate was a little more than than Mullins, and you know maybe maybe he you know he's not like a forty home run hitter realistically maybe he's like a thirty seven home run hitter because he did play in Florida for a bit in that in like the spring training ballpark and he did play. Yeah. Uh, uh, where else did they play in New Buffalo. York? Uh, before before going to back to Canada. Yeah, uh, they were all band boxes. Yeah, in in Buffalo. Yeah, and so uh, maybe those things increased the home run to fly ball rate a bit. You know, a little bit more, but uh, he did things inherently that are going to lead to more fly balls. Um, and therefore lead to more home runs. So I'm going to give him a little bit of a pass and say like, this was for the most part legit. Um, he also moved, made improvements to his chase rate, his contact rate, his swinging strike rate. So you can see that legitimized the, the batting average uh, improvement. Mm -hmm. I love Marcus Semyon. <laughs> I'm going to, he's for sure going to be in my top 25 and he's one of he's a player where I, I like I'm I'm gonna I'm going to have a hard time keeping him out of my top 20 or so players overall uh for next year um you know he's no matter where he goes uh because he's a free agent uh yeah well but, that's sort of the the biggest thing for me is uh you know he played in those small ballparks he played with surround himself with an amazing offense uh and i give the guy a lot of credit too because he he better himself by only signing a one-year deal i'm sure he could have got a multi-year deal somewhere else for you know two or three years at least but he said i wanted one year to prove my my value and now he's gonna get paid um but it does depend on where he goes you know uh even still saying that 
what he did in Oakland was still in Oakland, and that was still yeah. really impressive. But that was a juice ball year. So, I mean, I, I also love Marcus Semyon, one of the greatest value picks of the draft for sure. Um, I love to see – it all depends on where he goes for me next year. Because if, if he signs a big contract with no surrounding support uh, in a lineup, like you can, you can watch his RBIs dip down pretty quickly, you know. Um, so that it, it, it's all dependent upon that to me. But you're, the, the three metrics you talked about by chase rate, swing strike, um, and then his walk rate, rate, I think you said. Yeah, contact rate. I mean, they were all improved, and that's such, a, that's such an important way to evaluate a guy. So clearly he's on the way up, and clearly, you know, he's, he's a better player. Is he this same guy next year in the next place wherever he goes? I don't know. Um, and, and just while you were talking about him, I went back to look up some Cedric Mullins stuff. He is, uh, in, in our ESPN league, he's the 10th best hitter in the league, and he's the third best outfielder. And that uh, the only two ahead of him would be uh, Soto and Harper. That's pretty crazy. Legit. Yeah. Yeah. And what is he, like 24, 25? He's still pretty Very young. young he's yeah. Old. yeah. I'm, 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 you, I'm as big of a Cedric Mullen guy as you are a Marcus Simeon guy, I think. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. Also with Simeon, so, you know, depending on where he goes, does that like maybe move him from maybe 2025 to like 40? Or is it like, you know, more of a marginal difference for you in terms of like ranking him for next year? Do you see like a wide range of outcomes as far as like where he well, ends affecting his ADP? Well, shortstop is pretty deep, right? So personally for me, um, it all it's it's so important to the fact where I would value uh, it's it's about replacement, right? So if I miss on Simeon, but then I end up with Corey Seager, because instead of Simeon, I drafted you know Cedric Mullins. Like, give me Mullins and, <laughs> and Corey Seager versus uh, Marcus Simeon and George Springer, you know? Makes sense. Yeah. All right, our last uh, fantasy MVP candidate here is Philly starting pitcher Zach Wheeler, whose ESPN ADP was 69. Nice. Uh, <laughs> he was drafted as a top 20 pitcher this year. But he was drafted behind Blake Snell, uh, Kenta Maeda, Luis Castillo, Jack Flaherty, and Trevor Bauer. And Wheeler is arguably going to be a top five pitcher in fantasy this year. Uh, He is one of only four pitchers to get to 200 innings pitched this season. Uh, And some of these guys are are like on the verge. They'll get there with their next start. Sandy Alcantara, Adam Wainwright, Walker Bueller are the other three pitchers that hit or are going to hit 200 innings. Of those four, Wheeler has the second best ERA at 279. Bueller's is 258. Uh, Wheeler has the best strikeout per nine rate at 10, um, basically 10 and a half. He has the lowest walk rate, 1.96, and he's got the lowest home run per nine rate at 0.7. He's doing this all with the most realistic BABIP 
and an 11% home run to fly ball rate. His BABIP's 290. I think his career BABIP is 292 or something like that. All that tells me that ERA, his ERA is legit, right? That, uh, um, you know, he, he's, his 279 ERA is legitimate, right? If you want to go by any of the advanced ERA metrics, FIP, XFIP, expected batting average, Sierra, any of them, his is better than those four uh, other pitchers who have 200 innings. Uh, uh, Wheeler is second in war and pitching more behind Corbin Burns. And that's it. And uh, so basically, right, I'm telling you all of this to, to say he went from a good pitcher to a great pitcher this year. Do it. His only, uh, you know, I, I looked into spin rate. He only, it's a very, very marginal spin rate difference um, and only on a few pitches. His biggest change really has been pitch selection. He's really leaned on his slider this year um, and everything is just like working for him. His highest batting average against on any of his pitches is 228. His highest expected batting average against on any of his pitches is 232. So everything has been working for him this year. His slider is a 30% whiff rate. His curveball is a 43% whiff rate. People are, <laughs> people are swinging and missing at it almost half the time. So half the time they swing at it, they miss. All of his pitches have at least a 20% put away rate, uh, meaning he can get you out with literally any pitch, including his fastball. Uh, if you look at his uh, spray charts um, on StatCast, he throws almost nothing directly over the plate. Everything is hitting a corner. Um, and so one of the best things he's done this year uh, and one of the big keys to his success has been uh, location um, and command. Um, that, that's been his best friend this year. Uh, all of the stuff he's doing is tangible, is repeatable, um, as long as he kind of like keeps his command and, and continues this kind of trend of, you know, throwing a lot of breaking pitches versus and, and kind of reducing the use of the fastball which a lot of pitchers are doing now, I'm going to find it uh, difficult to not rank him as a top 10 starting pitcher for next season, um, especially when you know he's going to get volume. He's going to throw a lot of innings. He's for Lance, sure. He's Lance Lynn, but better. <laughs> well, and so it's, it's super interesting to look at it too, because you're right. I mean, taking your word for it, it's all about location for him. Because if you look at his K rate per nine over the last few years, uh, he never had a better K rate than nine. 9.08 was that was back in 2014. Then every year after that, 8.4, 8.8, 8.9. Last year's K rate was 6.7 K's, K's per nine. And then this year he jumps up to 10, 10, four. I mean, that, that, that's amazing. And, and it's, he is throwing the ball pretty hard too. Um, I, I consistently remember him see, seeing him at the top of um, miles per hour after the seventh inning, he was he, at the end of his games, he was zipping him in there at 99, hundred miles an hour. And uh, it, it's been about that and about location 
he's truly emerged in his age 31 season to be the best version of, of himself, which is uh, exactly what, what the Phillies needed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, it's going to, it's going to be hard to, uh, to find somebody to like rank ahead of him, you know, in, in that there's that obvious tier of like Cole Scherzer, uh, you know, those top level guys, maybe Bueller, Woodruff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, are you taking Giolito over Wheeler? I'm not. I don't think I am. Uh, Give me the volume. So, you know, it, it's going to be one of those uh, Kershaw over Wheeler. I think I would take Wheeler. Give me the volume. Yeah. So, I think I think I'm, I'm such a Kershaw guy too, and I, that's I wasn't ready for that question, but <laughs> yeah, I think I take Wheeler, Wheeler over Kershaw. I think I think we're looking at a at a top ten pitcher next year. Yep, right there with you. We'll be back next Wednesday to wrap up both the MLB and fantasy baseball season. But in the meantime, you can tweet us at FastballPod, reach out to us on Instagram at FastballFantasyBaseball, or email us at FastballFantasyBaseball at gmail.com, and we'll respond, and your questions will make it onto the show, and we'll even shout you out. So make sure to drop your social media handles as well. Also, make sure you've subscribed so you're notified when new episodes publish. If you want to get more info from me, uh, I am a writer for thegameday.com. We're starting to switch over to football, and so I'm writing some football betting articles there, uh, and I'll be writing, potentially writing some uh, baseball betting articles during the postseason. So check out thegameday.com. Also, check out creativesports2.com. I will have my final column of the season next week. Uh, it's called Three Strikes, and I'll post there at creativesports2.com next Thursday. Finally, please give the show a five-star rating. Each high rating helps move this podcast up the list on all the podcast platforms when people search for fantasy baseball. So it's something that really helps me and Matt out. Thanks for listening.